Good morning, Springbrook. How are you today? Oh, that's great to hear. Oh, the lights. <laughs> well, it's so good to have you. We're starting out our new series entitled God Quest Discover Your Heart, or Discover the God Your Heart is Searching for. Everybody's looking for something that they can define their lives by. People talk about higher powers, things of that nature. And we're going to talk about one of the most crucial questions when it comes to Christianity. And that is, what is truth? Is there truth? Do we live by truth? These are some of the messages. What is truth? That's September today. And is there a God? That's next week, October 1st. And is the Bible true? That's October 8th. Why do people suffer? October 15th. Who is Jesus Christ? October 22nd. And then finally, the ultimate question, October 29th. And we would love to have you here every week. Because if you're a Christ follower... And you believe that there's a God and, and that He has uh, offered us salvation and wants to spend eternity with us. Uh, you want to tell other people about it. But when you tell other people about it, they're going to have some questions, right? And these are the most common questions that people ask. So I would encourage you, if you are a Christ follower, to really dig into this. And there's some resources we'll talk about later. But really take some time to master what these answers are so you can share it with other people. We need the good news of Jesus Christ so much. Now, if you're a person who is not a Christ follower, uh, you just kind of came to check things out and find out the answers that we believe are there uh, from God to the Bible, well, it's great to have you. And really, those of you who are Christ followers, uh, bring your friends, right? That's the whole idea. Bring people who have some of these same questions. Or also, you can just listen to the podcast. You can just direct them to the podcast. And, and in the future, you can direct them to these podcasts as different questions come up. This is a series on apologetics. Apologetics, the defense of of the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 states how important apologetics is. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. We talked about that last week, right? You become a Christ follower, but at some point, uh, God gets a hold of you. And He says, I want to be Lord over your life. I want to be in the driver's seat. I want you to submit to me in all these different areas. So, that's where we want to be. We want to grow in lordship. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, we're to be prepared, right? Prepared to make a defense 
to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. Now, we, we have a hope in us, right? We have an incredible hope in us that there's an almighty God that loves us so dearly and, and wants us to walk with Him. <laughs> he wants to help us through this challenging life. Well, that's our hope. So when people come with these questions, well, I don't see how you can believe that because, you know, there's just no truth and other reasons. So we need to be ready. So this is a great series in regards to being a witness, going to people, telling them about Jesus, being in gospel relationships where, where you're, you're just in relationship with that person and also you have a desire to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. To make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. But I love this. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, sometimes people don't do that, right? Uh, they come out and say, God, I'm going to destroy you. Uh, very, again, extreme language to try to scare people into relationship uh, with God. But God doesn't say that, right? Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Well, that's the way it should be. It's a conversation with somebody. It's a relationship with somebody. And you need to make sure that you are communicating in such a way that they feel cared about by you. Well, there's, for simplicity here, there's two different types of thinkers. You have the absolute thinkers, and you have, excuse me, you have the absolute thinkers, and then you have the freedom thinkers. Okay? Now, the absolute thinkers are like us. We believe there is a God. We believe that God has given us guidelines to live by and that God has a plan for us. And, and we have this worldview that we believe is the truth. And anything that counters that is not the truth in our minds. Now, most of the people in the United States today are freedom thinkers. They say, well, if you say that this is the truth, you, you don't really have freedom. Because whenever you believe in something that's absolute it controls you. You have to do what it says. So absolutes are bad, they say. You need to be free in the way you think. In fact, you need to determine your own truth. If you say you have ultimate truth, you undermine others' people's freedom. So that's what people say. You're undermining my freedom. Because you say, I can't do that, but I think it's okay to do that. The idea of the freedom thinkers is that how do you know that what you believe is true? I mean, how can you prove that? How can you make that real? Uh, and truth determines the way we live our lives. Living of Adolf Hitler and all of the destruction that he brought upon the Jewish people, Polish people, and others, because he had an absolute way 
of thinking and that the Aryan race was the best and so we should kill off all those who are inferior in order that we might be in control. Now, I don't know what Hitler was thinking or, I mean, was he really doing that? Because he believed it in his heart? He thought he was doing a good thing? Well, he convinced most of Germany that it was a good thing, right? Because that is what they saw as the truth. But of course, as an outsider saying, no, 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 no. It's wrong to kill people. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. People sense that, right? You shouldn't be killing other people uh, unless you're in certain situations in war. But again, Hitler says, well, this is my truth. This is my truth. You, you might have your truth, and that's okay, but we're going to follow out. Uh, I'm going to lead my people in uh, this terrible thing because it was what he believed. You undermine other people's freedom. People who believe in absolute... We need the back wall. People who believe in absolute truth, they themselves are not really free, but under the burden of divine directives. So people will look at us who are Christ followers and say, well, you've got so many burdens to bear. You can't be free in this life. You can't do what you want to do because you, again, are restricted by everything God says through the Scriptures and things He tells you to do. Yeah, divine directives. That's no fun. That doesn't make any sense when we can determine our own freedom. The heart of liberty, this is the Supreme Court, uh, this was part of one of their decisions in 1992. The heart of liberty is to define one's own concept of existence and the universe. So what does that say? Your job is to come up with your own truth. That's really helpful from the Supreme Court. <laughs> you come up with your own truth. That, that's your job in life. Define whatever truth resonates with you. Why you are alive. Why you're here today. Your existence. And also, the universe. Now, it sounds all good from an American culture where we're at today, but it's all wrong. I mean, if, if you just take on any belief system and say, this is mine, and we're going to impact each other, right? Our truth impacts other people like Hitler's truth impacted so many people in his life. Okay. In the early church, uh, there was a controversy. What happened was, is that of course... The early church had begun. The Holy Spirit was unleashed and 120 people praying in the upper room. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit 
got into these people and they spoke in different tongues and they went out and they told Jesus, told people about Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people came to know the Lord and were baptized that day. Amazing, huh? But the one thing about the gospel, in the past, uh, the Gentiles didn't have any part of God's blessings. It was just the Jewish people. They were His people and His people alone. But when Jesus Christ came, He gave the gospel to everyone. So that meant that Gentiles could be Christ followers as well. And you've got to remember these Jews, <laughs> they've grown up in a culture that says Gentiles, God is not working with them. And all of a sudden, it flips. And so a lot of people had an issue with this. In fact, some of the Jewish people said, hey, listen, okay, the Gentiles can be part of the family, but they've got to follow our rules. They have to follow our ceremonial law. They have to follow all these other laws if they want to be part of the family. But the whole point of this new family is that there aren't any more rules that we see in the Old Testament, at least, in terms of the ceremonial law. We have the moral law that still applies. But we, we don't follow the ceremonial law anymore. But it, it got to be such a hot issue that Paul went to Jerusalem in a special council of the apostles. And Paul argued the fact that it's not Jesus Christ plus all these practices and laws. Jesus Christ came down and fulfilled the law perfectly. He was perfect in every way. So he fulfilled the law and then he died for us. He took the sins of the world upon him and he died in our place. He took the penalty. Then he rose again from the dead. So because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law in every way, that was the whole purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to show people that they were sinners. And Jesus Christ came down and he fulfilled the law as a God-man and he wasn't a sinner and he died in our place. So again, in terms of uh, the ceremonial law, you know, sacrifices and things of that nature as well, they no longer applied because Jesus shut that part down in a sense. Not the moral law, but the ceremonial law. And so they got together and they were all talking about this and Paul was used by God to convince the other apostles, the leaders, that it is just Jesus Christ. He is the gospel. And that's all we need to do. So we're not going to get into that passage because we're just using it as kind of a framework to jump off of. But everybody agreed with Paul eventually. And, you know, the church continued to grow. And Jesus Christ was a part of other people's lives because of this powerful gospel. We look at Galatians 2.4. Now, in the book of Galatians, uh, what is happening is we have the Judaizers. Okay? They were people who said, okay, Jesus Christ 
Yes, you know, he forgave us, that type of thing. But again, you still need to keep the traditional ceremonial laws, right? So Paul started the church and the Judaizers came in and started to lead these people astray. They say, hey, the way that you have a great relationship with God is you have to work for it. All these laws that we believe are still in place, you have got to obey those laws. And so Paul was very concerned, so he wrote to the people in Galatians, yet because of false brothers, that were the Judaizers and the ceremonial law, secretly brought in. Remember we talked about the fact that false teachers were always following Paul. So as soon as he left, they moved into the church and tried to, uh, again, uh, defeat the gospel. Who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Now what does that mean, slavery? Well, it means the ceremonial law. We're, We're slaves to the law and doing it in order to, again, get approval from God. But again, it's slavery. We're free in Jesus Christ. He goes on to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. That's how concerned Paul was about the truth. This new truth, in a sense, had been talked about in the Old Testament, but this wonderful truth that everyone, everyone could experience uh, the new life in Jesus Christ. And he, he, he just wanted to root out any false teachers because everybody was trying to sell their own truth. So this is how he approached that. And... Uh, We're thankful that he did. Now, this is a statement. Let's read this. Truth is a thing of this world. It is produced only by virtue of multiple forms of constraint. And it induces regular effects of power. Now, this is written uh, by Foucault, who was a very influential philosopher, especially in the last ten years, he was uh, from France. And let's look at what it says. Truth is a thing of this world. What does that mean? Well, the idea of truth is just in this world. There really is no truth. But people use the idea of truth to gain power over other people. It is produced only by virtue of multiple forms of constraint. So the idea of truth, in his mind, is that powerful men want to use it to control other people. They're on a power trip. So the idea is, if you make a truth claim saying, this is the truth, you want power. It's a power play. What happens is, with this truth comes all these different restrictions. Remember, you know, freedom thinkers say, oh, there's no rules or anything like that. And, of course, we are burdened by what God tells us to do, which, of course, is not the case. But, but many forms of constraint to control people, and it induces regular effects of power. That's the idea of the fact 
that it's a power play. When you really claim to have the truth, what you are really trying to do is get power over other people. That's interesting that Foucault was the number one disciple of Nietzsche. Nietzsche was a German philosopher, very influential in regards to the death of God. Some of the reasons we've been talking about here, there, there is no God. There are no absolutes. Now, maybe you've heard of nihilism, the idea that there's no truth whatsoever. Uh, life is just an unbelievable mess in regards to everything. You, you can't come up with any type of absolute moral authority. Now, again, Nietzsche uh, didn't go that far. What he said is that there, there are certain groups that hold on to certain truths, and those truths are good for them. All right? So, different countries, different people, they hold on to a truth. That's what Nietzsche said. There is no God, but truth is very helpful in, in cultivating the culture, and it's needed. So, he, he wasn't, wasn't a total nihilist. Uh, but again, this is the type of thinking that's changed the United States. It has so much, uh, so much influence on what we do today. Now, Nietzsche, he had a, the, the suspicion theory. Okay, so what he would do, he would say, okay, you say that we should have justice. We should have justice. We should seek that for other people. And then what Nietzsche would say to that type of statement, well, are you doing that because it's true, because you really want that to happen, or are you doing that because you want power and control and to you know, be over a certain group of people? Or you could say, okay, well, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus Christ is the salvation of this world. And Nietzsche would say, well, do you believe that because it's true? Do you believe that because you really, you know, you believe in Christ and want to do what He says for you to do? Or... Are you trying to control other people? So there's always a suspicion about really every sense of truth in which Nietzsche talked about. And so therefore, if, if you go down that road in every area, you won't find truth. Because it will all be seen as people try to control others. They're making truth Claims to try to convince other people. Now, Nietzsche made truth claims. Foucault made truth claims. Jesus made truth claims. You know what the interesting thing is? That Jesus Christ used this particular thinking to accuse the Pharisees. What he did with the Pharisees is said, the only reason that you're interested in 
being the representatives of God and uh, uh, leading this community is because it's a power play. It's a power play. You can come up with all these different types of rules that were outside of the Word of God. They just made them up in order that they might be seen as even more pure. And it's true, the Pharisees were just looking for power. They didn't care that much about God. So Jesus used the same type of argument, in a way, to tell the Pharisees. But of course, Jesus believed there was absolute truth. Back in 2006, uh, we, we learned about the Amish shooting, where a man who was a, a dairy carrier uh, went into a school and killed five girls. It just was so surprising. And it was interesting that when he first went in there, there was this 13-year-old Amish girl. And she said, shoot me and leave the others one loose. That's what she's saying. I will die for these other girls. You don't have to kill us all. Just kill me as a representative. Now, where in the world would she get that idea? The Amish, of course, don't watch TV, listen to radio. That type of thing. So she wouldn't have got that idea from culture. It's the fact that the Amish believe in the truth of Scripture, that it's absolute. And she had been taught as a young girl that. And therefore, that's why she responded in that way. Isn't that beautiful? I tell you what. People say, hey, there is no truth. But they don't realize what they're doing to themselves and others by claiming that. And when we look at our culture, especially in the last 60 years, uh, we're seeing the results of the loss of absolute truth, abortion and gender issues and things of that nature. Yeah, there, there is no absolute truth. So who is to say that this thing is wrong? Marriage? Who says you have to get married? If you don't have anybody who is an authority who gives you absolutes, well, we'll do what we want. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture. And that's why God is so important. And as we go throughout this series, we'll be talking a lot about God and about Christianity. And I would encourage you to come for the whole time. Because this is just one piece of it, a very important piece of it. In John 8.32, Jesus Christ said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will give you freedom. Now, of course, <laughs> the freedom thinkers are thinking, no, I don't want any rules. I want to do what I want to do. I want my own, own belief system. And, uh, yeah, that's not the case. Because it's through truth that we are set free. Now, people say, well, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ and 
is salvation and you're asked to live in a certain way based upon that worldview, based upon that knowledge. So that those are restrictions. You want to stay away from restrictions. But friends, people always live with restrictions. When you make a decision, you live with a restriction. In the sense that you could have gone this way, but you went that way. Alright? We need to understand that... Uh, our God is outside the human system, and He is the truth Himself. He is the truth. He wants to set us free. I think about uh, going to the doctor. And the doctor says, if you want to live longer... And have a healthier life, you need to diet and exercise. Now, what is that doctor saying to me? He's trying to put restrictions on my life. He said, you have to do this or this will happen. Well, it's true though, isn't it? We, we, we place dietary restrictions on ourselves in order that we might be healthy and live, hopefully, a longer life. That makes sense, right? But it's restricting. You think about the Olympics coming up uh, this winter. And those Olympians have put on themselves tremendous restrictions. They have practiced six days a week for hours, for years and years and years. So the freedom thinkers would think, well, that's wrong. Those are restrictions. They can't fully enjoy life. At the same time, they can't go to the Olympics unless they train, unless they practice, unless they become the uh, because uh, they need to become the best in their particular area. So what they do is they allow this restriction to send them to the Olympics. This is true of all of our lives. We're always making decisions knowing, I mean, again, you could say, I don't believe that I'm going to gain a lot of weight and, or I'm going to die early because of that. You can think that, but that's not the truth. Our hearts are so burdened for all the people who have been part of these disasters, natural disasters, Houston and Florida and Puerto Rico, and uh, the other islands. I mean, <laughs> he just kept turning on the news and seeing more and more devastation. Like, what is going on here? We need to be praying for those people. If you'd like to give, you can go to our website, and we have a link to give through our conference, Converge to help people out in those situations. But let's say you're sitting in Puerto Rico and you say, you know what? I don't believe that weather person because I have my own truth. You always have the people that you know, try to stick it out and many times they die. But, but, but if you're in Puerto Rico and you're saying, oh, there's a hurricane coming and evacuations, all that type of thing, well, I don't believe 
another person can tell me what the weather's like. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> because you better get out of there. There's a good chance of dying. So it's interesting that people live with the nature of truth and the weather and you know how they eat and things of that nature, but they still says there's, say there's no absolute truth. When actually, of course, there are. And we need to be aware of that, and we need to work in that direction. All right. I'm sorry, let's go back here. Sorry about that. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that Greek word is is logos, meaning the Word. But what is he saying here? Who's the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, God's the Word, right? More specifically, Jesus Christ is the Word. He is the source of all truth. And He's always existed. And God has been there. And what happened was, is because of the absolute truth, obviously, that God put together for our lives and for this world, we were going, every person who is a sinner, who rejects God, is you know, going to spend an eternity in suffering. Now, of course, a lot of people don't think that. But that's what it says. Jesus Christ was a living illustration. Not an illustration. He was the truth. He was the truth. And that's why he's such an important figure and everybody's talking about him. Because he is the truth. And you're either going to accept that truth or you're going to reject that truth. It's your decision. But I mean, just to think that Jesus Christ, God Himself, came down to this earth and lived our lives and of course, in Philippians 2, it talks about how he emptied himself, that he even submitted himself, in a sense, to this world. What happened to Jesus Christ? He got exploited, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they treated him terribly, and, and then they killed him because he submitted to the forces in this world. Now, he, he had a choice, as you see in the Garden of Gethsemane. But but he submitted to that, and he was destroyed on the cross. But again, he came back in the resurrection. And so he is the truth. Now you see, think about a relationship you have. Marriage relationship, friend relationship. Um, do you surrender yourselves 
to that person. Philip's made the decision to, to marry, right? Life changes after, right? That. <laughs> that adds a lot of restrictions to your life, doesn't it? I mean, somebody's concerned now where you're at. What do you mean? <laughs> I, you don't have to worry, but I worry because I love you. So if you really look at sacrificial love, it's the greatest restriction you could have. But Jesus Christ surrendered Himself to this world. And we're asked to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. So, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if He's going to surrender Himself in that way in order that we might have a relationship... Well, I want a relationship with Him, and therefore I'm going to submit to Him. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to live with different restrictions. And the great thing is those restrictions that we see in the Word of God is a healthy way to live, right? The best way to live. But people see it kind of a trap. Uh, make your life miserable. But that is not the truth. Jesus surrendered all. So we need to accept His salvation and surrender all to him. Yesterday, Ryan Catalano on the left there, that's Marco Mary, he's still here. But Ryan died. He attended Springbrook for many years in Maryland and our business in the hospital, so Marilyn's back there. Marilyn, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. I was over there yesterday. Rich was over there. A lot of people were over there. Because that's what the family is about. Only 37 years old. Had a lot of health problems. They're going to do an autopsy. It looks like a heart attack. They'll find out. 37 years old. He was just leaving his job. He got into his car, he buckled up, he got his cell phone out. And that's where they found him. Now, I want to ask you a question. How important is the truth about our Almighty God, Jesus Christ, our Savior, to Ryan right now? How important is the truth? Well, it's really, really important because we know that he made a decision, Ryan, to follow Christ, and uh, he's in heaven today. He's not suffering anymore like he was here on this earth. He's with Jesus Christ. And when we all experience heaven, we'll say, why did I spend so much time down there? <laughs> right? Oh, I used to love that place. I can't figure that out. But that's how much the truth matters, right? We are people of the truth. We have absolutes that are set by God. We're not just to determine our own truth. That's a slap in the face to God. We honor and glorify Him. Let's pray. The ushers come forward as well. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. 
thank you that the majority of us know that you are God and we've received your free gift of salvation and we're glad that you're absolute because it's hard to live when there's really no specific truth to live by and that's why we see our culture in such a terrible mess because they've walked away from God. Nietzsche wrote the death of God. And now it's impacting us. We no longer have a God, this country. Everybody's kind of playing by their own rules. Lord, I just pray for anyone here who has not yet made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Maybe have, have had that day. everybody has their own truth, but that can't be. Just think about it for a while. And the restrictions are in every part of our lives. Life works in a certain way. And when you don't go that way, it's not going to work. Lord, I, I pray for my friends here. And I especially pray for Marilyn and Vince. Losing a 37-year-old son. How painful. I pray that it would be an encouragement to them and help them in any way that we can. In Christ's name, amen.